1: Notice Luke 24, verse 45. And Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. Remember, one of the things we taught is that the Holy Spirit enlightens us. When we open the Bible, it's like, whoa, a light comes on. Well, that's exactly what happens. Jesus begins to explain what he'd already said to them many times, but they finally get it. The word comes alive.
0: Did you ever, before you became a Christian, try to read the Bible? Did you struggle and give up trying to read it thinking, this is stupid, it makes no sense whatsoever? It's like trying to read a foreign language without a translator. Pastor Mark will be teaching about Jesus' disciples and how many times they didn't get what Jesus was talking to them about. It wasn't until after they'd received the Holy Spirit that they understood the things that Jesus had said to them, trying to prepare them for his suffering, death, and resurrection. Pastor Mark will let you know how you can receive the same enlightenment. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, as he begins his message under his influence and power. John chapter 14,
1: verse 17. Verse, I'm going to open with an illustration today that is, well, it's a practical illustration, and it has a great spiritual application to it. I'm a Christ follower and God comes to me and he says, Mark, I want you to cut this board into three equal pieces. That's a command from God to me. Well, that's pretty plain. And so I go to my tool chest and I bring this out. How many know I might have a little trouble? Anybody? this isn't right so I go to God and I said well God I understand I'm supposed to cut this into three perfect pieces that means I have to make two perfect cuts here but this doesn't work God God says "Uh, kindly Mark did you look at the manual about how to cut well no no well, what manual do we go to when God gives us a command? Does any anybody, anybody know? You got it right here. So I go to my manual, and it, it says a hammer won't work. What will work? Well, saw will work. So I go back over, and I find one. There it is. Man, look at that sucker. So I begin. God... I know what to do. I got the tool you told me to get. It doesn't work. You have to plug it in. <laughs> Are you God? What? What is it? Yes, that's right. God says, Mark, you need power. So, well... Where would I get the power? And God says, I thought you'd never ask. What I just showed you today, 80% of Christians are in that condition. They know what God wants them to do. They've been given all the tools But they have no power from God. Thus, they cannot accomplish what God simply has asked in His Word. Today we're going to learn what is the power of God, how To get that power. And what it looks like in the life of every single Christ follower. Now, we learn that once you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And we have all these things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. And He assures me, teaches me, reminds me, comforts me, He guides me, He helps me pray. Now, we discovered all of those truths Where did we discover these truths at? Where? In the Bible. In other words, this is the manual for living. And we discovered how that worked in what it did in our life. That's why we studied the Bible here. And now, let's see. Where do you think we'll find about the power of God? In the very same thing, in the Bible. We learned a very important principle. Correct living is rooted in correct belief. If I don't understand the Holy Spirit, if I don't understand the power of God, then I can't do what God asked me to do. And so... It's very important that we learn to come under the influence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what our whole series is about. What does under the influence mean? Here's the definition. Under the influence, if you're a person that used to drink a lot, you understand this. If you're a person that takes illegal drugs, you understand coming under the influence. But spiritually, it's very positive to have an effect upon, to shape, and to regulate us. We're here... Not to do our thing, we're here to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, God, who's all-knowing and all-wise. Now, as we do that, a lot of wonderful things happen to us. Now, what is the last thing that we said that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life? Say it with me together. He wants to what? He wants to empower me. Now, there's two ways that he wants to empower me. There's two ways that the Holy Spirit wants to empower me. In fact, the Holy Spirit is always leading in our lives in two dimensions. He's not confused. He's going off in two directions at the same time in all of our lives. He wants us to come under his influence. Number one, he wants to work in us. He wants to make me more like Jesus and that empowering of the Holy Spirit, He gives me the ability to say no to sin. Or to say no, not my will, Balmer. God's will. So first, He wants to empower me. I can't do it by myself. He wants to empower me to do the will of God. And to change me inside. But there's something more. Second, the Holy Spirit wants to work not just in me, but through me. I'm to be this conduct for the Holy Spirit to change the world around me. Now to do that, I can't do that with my own wisdom, my own direction, my own words. I have to do that because I'm empowered by the Spirit. Too long, the church is only focused on what God wants to do in us. If we become inward focused, we will never please God. Because God's heart is not just for us in this little building. It doesn't matter how many campuses. It's for the world outside. So, I've already asked you to turn John 14. You're there. John 14, look down at verse 17. Speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus says to his disciples the spirit of truth. Now the world cannot accept him. The world doesn't understand about the Holy Spirit because it doesn't see him or know It's a spiritual thing. But he says to his disciples, you know him for one, he lives with you, and two, he will be in you. So there are three relationships that the Bible teaches we have with this person called the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's a person. So there's three relationships we can have. And let me ask you to write all three of them down. Two of them you can write right down there outside that verse. Or write them in your notes and transfer it to that verse because then you'll always remember. Step one, the Holy Spirit. Before I become a believer, the Holy Spirit convicts me. I'm convicted by the Spirit. That word come alongside or will be with us is the Greek word para. So it simply means this, before salvation, the Holy Spirit is alongside me and he's convicting me of my sin, of my lack of being right with God. And in fact, he says to me, Balmer, you better get right with God because there's judgment coming for those people who are not right. See, the wages of sin is death. John sixteen eight. just listen. When he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt In regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So before I become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes alongside me. And his whole goal is one thing. To get me into the kingdom of God. You see, currently, when I'm not a believer, I'm in the kingdom of Satan. The outcome of that, you already know. You're going to live with Satan forever. You know that's separated from God. So the very first thing he wants to do, he wants to convict me of sin. That works like this. Before you became a believer, the Holy Spirit was alongside you. In fact, in this service on all three of our campuses, if you're not a believer yet, the Holy Spirit is right beside you. You say, well, I don't see him. It's because he's the Holy Spirit. Oh, very good, very good. His Spirit. You can't see him. His Spirit. But what is he doing alongside of me? Here's what he's saying. You see that guy in a Hawaiian shirt? Listen to him. It's exactly what he's saying. Forget the Hawaiian shirt. Listen to his words. Because he's teaching out of the book I wrote. So what is he doing basically? He's convicting you. He's saying to you, you better get right with God. So every person, no matter who they are, there's the Holy Spirit beside them saying, get right, get right. Get your sins forgiven. Have peace with God. Today's the day. And for some of you today, it simply will be the day. Now, look in verse 17. He will live with you, but notice then, and will be in you. Here's the second first, we're convicted by the Spirit. Second, we're indwelt by the Spirit. At the moment of salvation, The Holy Spirit comes from alongside us when we say, as some of you will do today, I'm ready to turn my life over to God. The minute you do that, the Holy Spirit comes in and he sets up residence, permanent residence in our life. It's an inward work. We're sealed by the Spirit. And at that moment, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's an inward work to make me like Jesus. So he wants to empower me to say no to sin and say yes to God. So here's how that works. Before I become a believer, the Holy Spirit's beside me. Once I ask Jesus Christ to come in my heart, I become a follower of Christ. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in me. And I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I have God living in me. So if you're a Christian today, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You cannot be a Christian if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit indwells every single person. Now there's one more thing the Holy Spirit does. Many, but one big one. At the moment of salvation, he not only comes into my life, but the Holy Spirit baptizes me into this thing called the body of Christ. It's not just Calvary Chapel. The body of Christ is all over the world. Everyone that's a true follower. 1 Corinthians gives us a verse, let me read it to you, in the New Living it says this, but we all have been baptized into one body by one Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, and the reason I'm saying this, you're going to have to see it later, the Holy Spirit is the agent that puts me in the body of Christ. So now I'm a follower of Christ, and the next thing you want to write is this, because people get confused when we talk about the empowering of the Spirit. This is a fact, Every Christian has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Every, doesn't matter what if they believe in anything else about the empowering of the Spirit, any of those things. None of that matters. They have the Holy Spirit in them. Now, turn with me to Luke, Luke chapter 24. I just back a book. Luke chapter 24. And go down to verse 45. We'll be back to this verse three times during the teaching. Luke 24, verse 45. Now Jesus has risen from the dead. He's meeting with his disciples. His disciples, those 11 disciples, have the Holy Spirit in them. He's already dwelling in them. Notice Luke 24, verse 45. And Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. Remember, One of the things we taught is that the Holy Spirit enlightens us. When we open the Bible, it's like, whoa, a light comes on. Well, that's exactly what happens. Jesus begins to explain what he'd already said to them many times, but they finally get it. The word comes alive. Look what he said in verse 46. And he told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer And rise from the dead on the third day. He told them that over and over again. They didn't get it before that fact. And repentance and forgiveness of sins, this is future, will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And in fact, you are witnesses of these things. So Jesus says, I told you I was going to rise from the dead. I'm standing right here telling you, I told you that. Now do you get it? Oh yeah, we get it. But then he gives them these words. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, starting where you live in Jerusalem. That is the Great Commission. Now turn back to books, Matthew chapter 28. Go down to verse 19. What Jesus is alluding to, we call the Great Commission. It has to do with you and I not an inward kind of thing anymore, but an outward thing. God wants to use you and I outwardly. As you get to verse 19, these are some of the last words Jesus ever spoke before he went back to heaven. And notice what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations Disciple is simply a learner under discipline. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. It's what we're doing in church right now. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. In other words, the Holy Spirit who took Jesus' place would be with us forever. Now remember our opening illustration about the wood. Cutting that into three pieces. This command from Jesus... Is like that piece of wood. He says to them, "Here's my command." He says to them, "I want you to go into all the world." The operative verb in that sentence isn't go; it's make disciples. That's key. See, God's not interested in converts because converts are useless. Converts only think of one thing: fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. Praise God! I'll see you in heaven. He's not interested in that because they're selfish. They keep to themselves. There's no fruit. Nothing really happens. So he says, no, you have to move them along the line of growing like me, getting outside of themselves, making an impact in the world. That's why I've got it. So this command that you read right there in verses 19 to 20 is just like this. So the disciples understand it. It makes sense to them. Well, how will they do this? Do they have the right tools to do this? Do you have the right tools to do this? You see the command that you just read? That's a command for you. That's a command for me. It's the great commission for all time. Now, in our church, we happen to have five C's that we take from the Bible. Here's how we operate. Here's one of them. Communicate the good news to everyone everywhere. Now, where would we get that kind of commandment? Hello? Was it anywhere what you just read? Oh, yes. That comes from the verses you just read. In other words, if you break it down, I'm to communicate the good news. I'm to go outside of myself. I'm to invite a couple who are unsaved to the tune-up marriage conference. That's all part of it. So it's the Great Commission. It's a commandment. We take this commandment in this church very seriously. We're not satisfied to just focus on ourselves. Never. You see, lost people matter to God. And they have to matter to you and me. So Jesus says, you go and you make disciples. Now that was really clear To these 11 disciples, they knew what that meant. I mean, it's very clear to them. They'd watched Jesus do it. They became disciples. Now, turn back to Luke 24. Look at verse 49. And when you get to verse 49, just look up here. So, Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world and you make disciples. And the way you do that is you baptize them, you teach them, you let them grow. And I'll give you all the tools you need. So these 11 disciples are thinking this, I'm ready. For sure, I can hear Peter saying, okay, we get it. And it's very plain. Uh, can we start tomorrow morning? I mean, why wouldn't they be ready? They'd been with Jesus for three years. Every single day, they were learning from Jesus. They watched it. I mean, they got it down. They had experience. They've been with Jesus. They had training. They've been with Jesus. If you look at their life, their heads filled with knowledge. They were committed, their disciples, and maybe most importantly, they have the Holy Spirit in them already. So they're like this on your mark, get set, go into all the world. Well, look what verse 49 says. And Jesus says to them, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But don't go, stay. Stop. Hold it. Go to the city of Jerusalem and wait until you've been clothed with what? Power from on high so Jesus says you know what I'm asking you to do go into all the world make disciples you have all the equipment but you lack the they didn't get that they didn't understand it at all and most of us don't understand it well, I have the Holy Spirit living in me what's the problem so did they But they couldn't obey the command, they would never be useful in the command, and Jesus is going to tell them why.
0: In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded you that you can't do the works of God, no matter how hard you try, without God's power. You also learned that to live properly as a Christ follower, you have to have the proper beliefs of a Christ follower. Pastor Mark said again that if you want to know the proper beliefs, you have to go to the source, God's Word. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching under his influence, empowered. You'll learn more about letting God's power work in your life. You'll find out what the work of the Holy Spirit is in the lives of every person, even those who don't know Jesus yet. You'll be told what the power of God looks like in your life and also what it doesn't look like. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series under his influence. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurry.